Hey everybody, welcome to the Chamber Channel's Five Questions Podcast. This is the place where we take a deep dive with industry leaders for an inside look at their world and how they can make a difference in yours. She's a second generation Hilton Head Island restaurateur of the iconic Charlie's Let's Wall Bear, known affectionately by locals as Charlie's. She's also one of the few female sommeliers in the Southeast. Let's hear Margaret's take on wine and why low country cuisine is finally getting its due. Margaret, it is tough to believe that Charlie's is actually celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, and you're still handwriting those menus <laughs> every night. How has it changed? How has it morphed over the years in this this family restaurant that that's so successful? Um, yeah, I mean, we've definitely, I think, catered to what our customer wants because our customer is more than just a one-time customer. We have customers that are there on a weekly basis. Um and being a second generation restaurant, we have people who have come to the restaurant with their grandparents. Um, and so they're back once a year and they want that favorite thing. Um, so, you know, we're not quite fine dining. We're not quite French, even though the name is indicative of us being French. But that's because I think, you know, 40 years ago, we started off very French when my dad bought a tiny little restaurant on Hilton Head. Um, but we survived that period of time when French was not cool, too. So we kind of had to morph into what our clientele wanted. And that was really good seafood for the most part. So I um, I think that's the biggest change I've seen over the years. Um, and then there was a time where I don't think we were... Um, working our full potential because my dad had started in this tiny little building and then he purchased a much larger building and we had the opportunity to to have a real bar business but we had never really launched into it and so about 10 years ago we did that and that's really been a huge game changer our bar is a really popular casual spot to have a lighter meal and believe it or not our burgers are are really popular <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. You do have a very popular bar. I think it's known by locals and visitors as a place to go. And it has a, a nice intimacy to it. It has a kind of a locals feel to it. You spoke of your dad. You know, your dad um, is legendary in this area, obviously. And so what's it like working with Charlie Colson? What was it like? Does he ever tell you how to do things now? Do, do your parents have ideas of what you should or shouldn't do? You're second generation. How does that work? Um you know, my dad has really backed off um, in the last four years. We worked very closely together for a long time. Um, he was there every day. And uh, I will have to say there was a lot of fighting that goes on in a family restaurant setting um, because it's not only me, it's my brother as well. So there were three big brains in the pot all the time. And he was the one, my dad's always not for change, that change scares him a lot. And I think that's that's also just an older generation. Um, so, you know, now it's almost easier to take the leaps forward in business because it's it's my brother and I that, that have to make the decisions these days. But that's not to say we don't call him up and say, what would you do for this recipe or this and that? Because we we really stay focused on trying to stay with that core um, kind of menu and feel of the restaurant for sure, you know, and, and don't want to lose that at all. You know, we've really, I think the Low Country has really been on the map, especially lately recently in terms of culinary. It's so up and coming, I think. And now people are actually traveling for culinary. It's it's a part of their experience when they travel mm -hmm. and also for locals. You know, it's it's just become so much a part of your culture. 
What do you think it is, or what are some trends that you think have helped raise the culinary profile of Hilton Head Island, and why do you think it is right now trending in such a big way? Um, I mean, I, I definitely think it's kind of our, our sister cities have helped a lot, Savannah and Charleston, because people kind of make this a loop. Um, uh, I think it's the the way that this area has grown so much. I mean, we are one large area between Bluffton and Hilton Head with a lot of influx from different places. And I think when you start having influx from different places, you're you're kind of you have to broaden your horizons and you have to rise to the occasion. And I think that's definitely happened. Um, and I, I there have just with the onset of celebrity chefs, I think that has also helped Southern cuisine, um, you know, become. Uh, I, I guess a more forefront in people's minds, an interest in the past as well in Gullah. Um, you know, all these things kind of go into Southern cuisine. When we work with media, I know from you know from New York, from everywhere, and we mention to them, you know, there is culinary life outside of Charleston and Savannah. Oh, sure, we do, yeah. and and I think the pandemic showed that too. There was a little bit of a migration. Mm-hmm. Um, from some of those cities and, and everyone's looking for something different. And I'm, we're, it's nice to see that sort of burgeoning culinary that's happening in some sort of unexpected places. And I think for many, especially food writers, that Hilton Head is somewhat of an unexpected place. But I think it's definitely, thanks to restaurants like Charlie's, kind of getting on the map more. And I, don't, I think one thing a lot of people don't know about you, um, Margaret, is that you're one of the few female sommeliers in the South. <laughs> That's a great, neat thing. Uh, what are some of the trends you're seeing in the wine industry, you know, especially in the wake of the pandemic? That really kind of, we all see those jokes and hear those things about, oh my gosh, how much we drank during the pandemic. But what are some yeah. of the trends you're seeing when it comes to wine? And why did you go after your psalm? Um, well, I, well, first of all, I don't have a very handy degree. It's a, it's a, <laughs> Um, I have a degree in Italian literature, so I had these grand plans of becoming some um, international wine salesman, and I, I got into wine sales early on, but um, honestly, I always tell people I had been counting bottles at age eight to you know, do inventory with my dad. Um, so I had always had a big interest in wine. I lived in Italy for um, a year and then you know, would go back and forth a little bit, um, and when I was living in Buford, it was not quite far enough away from the restaurant. Um, and my dad was kind of aging out of, he wasn't doing the the technological things that he needed to be, come, I guess what I'm trying to say, he, he wasn't changing. And so I took over the wine list at that point. And that's kind of when I, I just started pursuing um, my wine education because I was selling wine and I was doing his wine list. And it made sense. Um, I had time at that point in my life. <laughs> do you think there are some trends that you're seeing since the pandemic? Do you see, are you seeing more wine being sold in your restaurant? Or are you seeing less? Or what are you seeing trend-wise in that area? Well, with the influx of, of people from other areas, I am see, I saw more high-end wine sell this year than I've ever seen. Um, I feel like my cellar was depleted of some really old vintages of, of nice wines. So trying to find those again is very difficult right now because the pandemic has definitely interrupted wine um, dis- distribution. And, you know, with the pandemic also, just the amount of wine that was made it has drastically decreased worldwide. Um, so, you know, I see $13 price increases. And when that translates to a wine list, it's it's kind of, it's going to be a little bit of a hurdle this year trying to trying to find the value wines. But 
What I do see is a big return to classics. Um, I was, I've sold a lot of burgundies, red burgundies and Bordeaux. So people are going back to tr really traditional styles. And I, I think that's just part of an interest in, in knowing, you know, what does American Pinot Noir compare to you know, a classic Pinot Noir? Um, and, then, and in that same kind of vein, a, a lighter wine, um, a lower alcohol wine. So that's certainly what I gravitate towards. Yeah, it's interesting. Supply and demand has hit the wine industry as well as everywhere oh, else, sure. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you do a great column in a local magazine called What Would Margaret Drink? <laughs> and as soon as we're defrosting and, and getting into spring weather, what would Margaret drink this spring? Um, well, I think my newest wine that I'm kind of into is actually an orange wine. And orange wines have been popular on the West Coast and I would say the Upper East Coast for some time now. Um, but I, I honestly had never met a, an orange wine that I liked before. They can be kind of astringent. Um, they're oxidized white wines um, and they have a long skin lees contact. So they have a lot of texture to them, kind of in the same um aspect that like rosés, kind of you're drinking a white wine, but it has more feel to it. Um, but one that I found from the country of Georgia, not the state, um, is from Nine Oaks Estate. And um, it's a, a white orange or an orange wine that um, it just really has this light peachy tone to it. Um, almost like a tea infused wine, um, but a 12% alcohol. So it's it's really nice drinking and pairs with a wide variety of food. Do you find people are curious when they come to your bar? I mean, I, I always feel like when I'm at Charlie's, it's almost an education too. And you don't feel, you can ask questions. It's a oh, place sure. where you feel really unintimidated to ask those questions. Do you get those questions a lot from from oh, folks? Yeah. What should I be drinking? Or I mean, you find people more curious about what's what these days when it comes to wine? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, and I think our Monday night wine night it really lends itself to people exploring more. And that's, I say, that's when I get all my wine questions because people are really um, more apt to, to taste something that they don't normally drink. Because um, a wine is intimidating. And I think people, you know, they find a brand that they latch on to and they feel safe with and they know what they're getting. Because um, you're obviously paying more at a restaurant for wine, too. So, um you know, it, it, everyone should feel comfortable enough to ask a question about wine, I, I feel like. Well, thanks for joining us. And hey, cheers to a great 2022 for all of us. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. The podcast continues to grow and never miss an episode of our Five Questions podcast by subscribing to the Chamber Channel on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a moment to download, subscribe, and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people.